3: Society 13 and Frogzilla Radio proudly present Frog Watch with your friend and host, Big Tony Rousick,
0: a.k.a. Frog's Watch.
3: Welcome back to Prague Watch, my friends. Your host, Big Tony the Prague Squatch here, thanking you for coming along for the ride once again. By the background music, you may have guessed that this week I'm doing something a little different, changing things up a bit. and We're going to start the show with one of Rob Fisher's great voyages of progressive discovery. A little later, we'll finish things up with part two of my Thomas Thielen coverage. So without further ado, here's Rob. Today, we are going to take a look at Alan Reed's second album, Honey on the Razor's Edge, which was released in March of this year. In the previous Progressive Discoveries, we saw how Beatrix players used beautiful melodies to carry dark and disturbing messages. In a similar vein, Reed's absorbing album delivers an equally brutal, uncompromising experience. The fatal attraction which makes this album work so well isn't the tale of Beauty and the Beast. Reed uses incisive songwriting to show that beauty is inseparable from the beast. Reed's vibrant music, bristling with energy, is the enticing honeypot which draws you in. There is a gritty focus created by some crunching guitar work, which in turn is enhanced by cascading layers of keyboards. A driving momentum is supplied by determined drumming, which effortlessly underpins the songs with purpose and thrust. The net result is a tightly structured and highly expressive album which sparkles with fire, passion, and even exhilaration, which can be clearly heard in the playing. At this point, Rob's recommending that we listen to track three from the album, so here we go. This is called Cross My Palm. It's uh, track three from Alan Reed's Honey on the Razor's Edge. Across My Palm is a delicious ode to sleaze, corruption, and the media culture of dirty deals done cheap. And what this song shows us is that there is cold, lyrical steel lurking beneath the appealing musical facade. The music captures life in the 21st century, and Reed pulls no punches in crafting lyrical sketches, which are mercilessly honest and unflinchingly direct. Learning to love humanity is not an easy thing to do. For all the beauty we create, the love we show, the creative heights to which we aspire, there is always buried within it brutal ugliness, vicious hatred, and tormenting depravity. Reed does not pull back in staring the exasperating gamut of human complexity squarely in the face. Our imperfections, frailties, weaknesses are on display for all to see. Even when we are treated to moments of tenderness, the cutting edge buried within is never far from the surface. The absolutely heartbreaking Used to Be Someone, track 7, is emotionally wrenching in capturing the feeling of becoming so remote and removed from someone with whom you were once so close that they look at you as if you are a stranger. Here we're going to play that track. This is Used to Be Someone from Alan Reed's album Honey on the Razor's Edge. There is no escape from Reed's baited trap. The quality of the music and the writing is such that resistance to its melodic charms quickly becomes futile. Once immersed, however, the full impact of what lies covered and concealed beneath is not slow to make itself known and felt. This is a riveting and consuming album, briskly fresh, thoughtfully feisty, and full of disturbing charm. Once again that was our friend. Dr. Rob Fisher of Prog Radar and the Progressive Aspect. Remember, folks, if you like what Rob does, like I do, you can find more of his work at theprogressiveaspect.net and progradar.org and at his own blog, progressivediscoveries.net. When I post this show to my website, progwatch.com, sometime early next week, usually on Tuesday afternoon, naturally, I will have links that you can follow to find more of Rob's fine work. Now I want to get into the main body of this week's show, which will be part two of my coverage on the fascinating German artist Thomas Thielen, also known simply as T. Let's get into T-Mode with a track from his 2010 album, Anti-Matter Poetry. This is Scavengers and Hairdressers. Again, that was Scavengers and Hairdressers from T's 2010 release, Anti Matter Poetry.
0: Lucky Land Casino asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once,
2: actually.
1: Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting.
2: Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky?
1: I never win and tell.
2: Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void way prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.
3: See website for details. Hello, this is Arnold, and you're listening to Progzilla.com, home of some of the best progressive rock music on the Internet. And I think you will like it. Now let's hear a little more of my epic conversation with Mr. Thielen. You know, Germany seems to be really enjoying a, a vibrant period in, in progressive music right now. Wow, what do you think's going on there? I mean Is it? I, I um, think so. I think there's some really good stuff coming out of Germany. There's some great great artists.
1: Well, we have Oliver Wenzler, of course. Yeah, I'm the the head of Progressive Promotion Records, who really has uh, he f- he finds all these cool acts. But to be honest, I don't listen to rock rock very much. So I'm I'm really the wrong person to ask. I'm I'm the least educated uh, person in progressive rock you may find. I love I love indie. I, I'm still digging new wave. I love. Uh, I even love techno and what Björk does and stuff, but uh, very little progressive rock. So I've got no idea. All right. <laughs> I'm, um, I, uh, I know quite a few people from there, but I um, know the people better than their music, actually.
3: Well, I, I can kind of understand that to some degree. I, I obviously have to listen to a lot of progressive rock. I'm constantly screening music. You know, I have a prog rock show. I do love prog rock and have listened to it avidly for. 30 40 years now you know whatever it is um but yeah sometimes i need a prog holiday and i have other stuff obviously that i listen to and you know lately i was just feeling a little progged out so it was uh time to go back and listen to some you know non-prog stuff you know mean some I, I like a lot of english folk music you know like some of those 70s bands you know uh, you know fairport convention and some of that kind of stuff uh lindis you know some i know some bands that like i might be the only guy in my town who knows any of this stuff you know i <laughs> i have a very wide and uh it's it sometimes it, it obscure taste in music you know I, I i just it's my thing i've i've loved music ever since i was a kid i remember when i got um my first album when i was a kid and i used to buy 45s you know it, mm. it, it, some yeah, yeah, some yeah. of the listeners might know what they are. Some may not, you know, yeah. uh, because they if if you're a, a younger person, you know, you you may have never even seen these things, you know.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah,
3: yeah I used to buy them, you know. I, I, uh, I had the Monster <laughs> Mash on 45, you know, and uh, <laughs> you know, I, I was I was actually into Nielsen, you know, whenever I was a kid.
0: Mm, uh, mm-hmm.
3: I loved coconut, and uh, I, it was like one of the first albums I ever got was Nielsen Schmielson. You know, and my mom, my mom loved the song, uh, without you, obviously like his biggest hit of all time, you know, a bad finger song that Nielsen covered. Uh, but yeah, yeah. It, you know, that was, that was like one of my first albums, literally Nielsen Schmielsen. And I still have it to this day. You know,
1: Well, I started really uh, with being a, a very, very, very huge Michael Jackson fan with about six years or something, six years old. That's and, interesting. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, you know what? Um, when uh, when I was working with, with the Slate stuff and plugins and developing and, and testing, I stumbled across Bruce Swedian, who worked a lot for Michael Jackson as a sound engineer. And, it, and I was awed. Um, at how he works, and I learned so much um, from him directly by just listening or just reading what he wrote. How to use these plugins? Um, if you, if there's anyone who thinks that Epistrophobia sounds a lot better than the albums before, that's because I listened to Bruce Weedia, who did Michael Jackson and okay. um, th- there's also a lot of weird things coming from my music um well car radio actually because um for instance i had a p- period lately when i listened to um bon jovi um because i okay. wanted to, to include some of his singing style into mine and so i had to listen well how does he do that oh sorry how oh. how the does he do okay. that <laughs> and um i i really I had to figure that out and I did but it took me a long time of listening to things like always and stuff and so being a, a sound guy you have to sometimes abstract uh, well get yourself detached from what actually the notes
3: are to get into the
1: sound and understand how it's done
3: that's very interesting yes
1: it is and it was it was a hard time and I apologize to everybody sitting next to me <laughs>
3: <laughs> hey we all have our guilty pleasures anyway I'm sure you know uh, I'm
1: not a Bon Jovi fan. I'm just yeah. trying to learn to sing. Okay,
3: <laughs> we'll go with that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and if
1: you
2: believe me, I'm gonna I'm gonna sell you a used car. No, that's no, 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 true.
3: <laughs> yeah, there's probably a few things that. Uh, well, I I actually like some ABBA. You know, I I think Dancing oh. Queen. I love Dancing Queen. I think it's you like know who mixed the kit, kitsch, kitschiest piano and everything, but it's just it works. You know, you know
1: who I, works with Ab, with ABBA? Bruce Whedon. Oh, really? There you are. Okay.
3: Yeah, yeah I didn't know that. I didn't, for something like that, I mean, yeah, I have it, and I have listened to it, and I, I don't often admit it, especially on the air. I might take some flack for this. I don't know. Yeah. But whatever. <laughs> hey, like I said, we probably all have our guilty pleasures, you know? You, Flamed, man,
1: flame suit on. Yeah. Yeah.
3: <laughs> okay. yeah. Man cannot live by Prague alone, you know? No, no,
1: no, no, no. There's got to be some ABBA around.
3: Yeah, sure. Over. Why not? There's a time for dancing, you know. Ecclesiastes yeah, I- tells us there's a time for everything, right?
1: <laughs> but please, please, ne- let's not go into how proggy Abba are, okay? <laughs>
3: <laughs> I never said they were proggy. I just said okay, I okay. do okay. like some of it. I do like <laughs> it. Well, I think also, you know, th- some of the stuff that you, you pick it up whenever you're in your formative years, you know, I, I actually yeah. inherited, you said your parents weren't very musical, they weren't, and in, in, you think their taste is terrible. I don't think my dad's taste in music was was that bad, and I I actually picked up stuff from my dad. Um, and you know, when when the family was young and he didn't have a lot of money, one of the things he used to do he would get a, a record album every once in a while, but then he would just play it every night. <laughs> you know, so I know like every note of you know rhyme and simon you know or neil oh, diamond's greatest hits you know because he Great was wash. into some of that su- well yeah but i you know i still like it you know and i yeah i, I it's in my own collection now you know and i actually cool. you know have more more than my dad had you know i i've i've gone way way beyond you know he he has a handful of albums you know at this point a handful of cds i've got just literally thousands and thousands it's crazy yeah. how much music i have
1: I'm always afraid of being being found out actually that that my music is nothing but a bunch of pop songs put together and not prog at all. Um you know the, the bass that I play is heavily influenced by Wham, you know George Michael's first yeah, band yeah. and I thought they had a brilliant bass player, uh, such a groovy guy, in, incredible bass. And then there is of course um um the the drummer that influenced me most is Terry Williams, who played with Dire Straits. Okay. And incredible. I'd like to say something very cool now about Phil Collins and Manu Katché, whom I adore. But if you really ask me, well, what influenced influenced you? Well, that's Terry Williams, to be honest. And going going there, well, Mark Knopfler. You can hear Mark Knopfler in my finger picking. Of course, I'm not that good, but I, that's that's the approach I take. Um and so on and so forth. I could go on for years and years. Um, the Cure, um, the other type of bass I play, is very, very Simon Gallup. You know, my my guitar is somewhere in between Robert Smith and and The Edge. Um, so I, I'm always, um, well, I'm always a free... A fa- afraid of being found out that i'm just copycatting all these pop songs
3: well now you're putting it out there and I, you know I, i'm not going to say thousands of people but i i don't know, millions, I don't know. There's, there's millions. A, lot of, a lot of people are going to hear this now you know
1: yeah but i feel better now you know my conscience is clear you
3: admitted it <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> i admitted it that's so, the first step
1: <laughs> so all your blackmailers go away
3: <laughs> hey you know i i don't see any problem with that really i mean where wherever all your influences come from it's what you do with them you know, and and you know, you're not writing uh, wham music, or you know, you're you're writing very sophisticated, very interesting, uh, very insightful, uh, progressive rock music, in my opinion.
1: Well, that's nice, nice of you to say. Um, if you if you gain some <laughs> insights into it, please tell me. Because I'm not that <laughs> sure. Um, no, it it's really um, there's of course a lot of structuring going on, but but the actual motives, it's it's like everyone would say, I don't know where they come from um for instance this uh this leitmotif of of epistrophobia that that then gets well comes out or, or too light in in the last track this ding ding di ding ding you know this this was uh this goes back to me being 16 or something before i even knew it was um um in a weird um a time time what do you say time measure
3: yeah signature. yeah a time yeah. signature yeah
1: time signature oh my english um, I didn't know that, and I tried to play that with my school band, <laughs> and the okay. drummer who was always going, well, <laughs> what the, f-? um, yeah. and he couldn't play it. I ju- he just couldn't play it. He didn't have any chance because, well, he couldn't count it. He's a four-four guy. Yep. Yeah, four-four guy, and so four to the floor, and and then. <laughs> Well, I, I didn't even know it was a weird time signature back then when, when it came up to mind. So um, my, my friends always made fun of me because I, I really feel music in weird time signatures. It's not that, they are, that I take a 4-4 and then say, well, uh, how can I make that complicated? No, I really think this is what the music tells me,
3: not the other way around. I, I know what you mean. Yeah, I've, I I don't often write things in weird and signatures, but sometimes I have and it just it's just what it is. It, I I I had to actually figure it out later when I'm doing it in the computer. It's like, well, I know how how to play it, but how you know, you had to go in and put the bars in, you know, so it would all click out right, you know, and when you're you know, programming your drum patterns or whatever. Um, exactly. You kind of have to know that. Okay, there's a bar. There's a bar of five here, then a bar of three. Then you know, and uh, you know, I was sometimes amazed to see that. You know, I was shifting in and out of things, but it. You know, it sounds right, so you do it. You. I, I had to actually figure it out later how how you actually counted it out because it was just something that I felt and just something that that came out a certain way and that's how it was.
1: There's three minutes on Epistrophobia where the time signature cha- changes with <laughs> – well, all the time. There's no two um, measures the same <laughs> for for three minutes. And it still, it, I couldn't just play it differently because then the, the music would have lost its bite. The mu- melody would have seemed, well, pff, sim- simplistic or redundant at some time. And so um, this is what it is. So <laughs> what I did was I played it to a click track and then afterwards uh, figured out well what the time signatures are mm-hmm. and uh, for the drums actually yeah but that worked so that's okay i and and i think that many people work like that for instance on relay somewhere in the middle of the first track there's um, there's a part that i c- can't count uh, out the time signatures in yeah. any way
3: <laughs> yeah i have those moments in Prague where it's just, uh, like even some of Phil Collins' drumming at times. Uh, I, I was talking to Stefan Heppa, uh, also German from, uh, he's he's in Gandalf's fist now, and uh, mm-hmm. he's a drummer, and he told me how to count out this one section, and uh, after that it actually fell into place. But you know, for the life of me, I could never count it out or figure out, you know, what what beat the hit, you know, what what beat was the snare hit coming on, you know, to try to. to just, sometimes it just baffles me, you know, and I can't yeah. count it at all. But,
1: yeah. <laughs> There's this, um, what what really made, uh, open New Horizons for me was the way he played the the um, the stances in Dance on the Volcano, you know, where the mm-hmm. snare head goes there. That that's, yeah. was a, an approach on that that I had, didn't have before.
3: I think it yeah. was Apocalypse in 9-8 was the one that Stefan said, we well, have to just count it like this, you know, and, and once I once i looked at it that way then it was like uh you know all was revealed it was all clear then it's like, oh yeah that's (laughs) that's all it was you know (laughs) why could i never figure that out all those years you know you're Uh trying to count in nine or whatever and it's just not natural (laughs) yeah it's interesting how about a break from the chat for a tune now from t's latest album epistrophobia this is the album conclusion called epistrophe so
2: you're Oh, This is you by my side. This is me by your side.
3: Epistrophe from Thomas Thielen's 2016 album Epistrophobia.
1: frogzilla bringing you the best progressive music has to offer.
3: Now let's hear a little more of my interview to see what's coming up for Thomas. What else? What's coming up? What 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 have you got cooking now? Uh, I've
1: got two things cooking. Um, I've got a, a project of progressive pop, as we call it, with a friend, a very, very old friend called... Uh, Dominic Hütermann, who I met on my first day at university when I started there as a student. Okay. <laughs> and so we met there because he had um, he was carrying a synthesizer with synthesizer, something not very common in university. Yeah. And I had the same. And then I asked him what he was uh, trying to play. And he said, well, I, I'm going to uh, perform uh, a bit uh, with the start of a song, a very old Genesis song. And I said, well, really, which one? Where well, it was first or fifth. And I said, "Well, I know that one. I can play it too." <laughs> so we started to chat up. Well, and that's that's a project called Cloud Can, and um,
3: Cloud Cam. Uh, is that what you said?
1: Yeah, Cloud Can. It's plural. Okay. Um, don't ask me where that came from. It's twenty years old or, or something. I was twenty-five. Even anyway. Okay. um So um, this is going to be very different from what. Uh, my albums are—it's very sh- singles and um, very unweird <laughs> time signatures. Okay, but still uh, with a with an edge to it. I hope so at least. And then of course there's the next T album that's uh, going to come up. I was referring to earlier, and this is um, turning out um, a lot. Well, how could you call it denser? A lot darker. A lot. A lot um, talk talkisher
3: than what I did before. I thought the pistrophobia was kind of dense. There was, it it was, it was, (laughs) I mean, it was a lot to absorb, really. You know, I had to listen to it a few times to really start to get it even. It's just so much going on, and there's on so many levels, musically and lyrically, you know.
1: Yeah, you know, um, for me, I'm st- having a record contract. Well, actually, not having thinking of it, it was just a handshake. I hope I'm getting the money. Um, no, <laughs> um, <laughs> having a record contract and being able to put out music is still like, like, like for me, it's like a child in a toy store, really. So what I really do is make the best of it. I, I still feel this enthusiasm that I'm really doing it I'm really there where where I dreamt of that when I was 10 or 13 and I never thought I could reach that Mm -hmm. so it's really enthusiasm going in there and of course I want to make it as good as possible and this is maybe why so many levels are in there because I can't decide which one to leave out Well
3: yeah it it works and like I said I think you have a very interesting uh, thing going on right now I'm looking forward to hearing the next T album but I
1: think apostrophobia. Well, it's, it's a very interesting perspective you open up there because for me, it's
3: the most lighthearted thing I did, and the right, easiest, I, the most poppy, actually. But it it see, there's just a lot. There's a lot to absorb in it, really. You know, from mm. start to finish, it was a mm. lot to take in one sitting, really. I the, <laughs> the first time that I listened to it, that's how I, I really felt that way. I'm like, wow, there's you know just so much musically yeah. and lyrically going on in this.
1: Well, Oliver, my, my my big boss with progressive, <laughs> if he listens to that, he will always refer to me like that, like his, <laughs> his l- Um and He always says that from what I do on one album, you could do 10. But no, well, I actually do 10 of it, but I use and reuse the same motives to express um, connections and to install structures and stuff like that. So if you go looking for motives that are repeated and worked upon in a very classical way, just very very Wagner and very very Bach, um you'll find them. And maybe that gives you another level of listening to the music if if you want to. If you don't want to, that's fine also.
3: Yeah, so music uh, as a vehicle for uh creative thinking or critical reflection, is that kind of what you're
1: Um it's rather um I, I like music that works on intellectual and emotional levels. So so what I hope for is that that would be my ideal listener, someone who really loves the music and doesn't know why, and then ask, well, why do I like it? And finds a lot of structural works going on and a lot of compositional skills, maybe skills or at least attempts <laughs> um, okay. at place and so on and so forth. Because there's a lot going on, yeah, but there's also a lot of... Going on that was planned, and that really has a deeper meaning, and and combined stuff, and the lyrics um, hint at things that are transported in the music, and the other way around, and so on and so forth. So really, it, I'm I was listening, I was reading an, an interview with Mike Oldfield the other day, and I thought, yeah, 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 I know what you mean. <laughs> He really has these big sheets with with notes and w- this motive and where it goes and when it comes up again and don't forget to reinvent this one and don't forget to work on that and combine these two.
3: Yeah, that's okay. what I do. Yeah, I, I, I'm a big fan of Mike Goldfield also, but I, I definitely see what you're saying about his music. You know, he definitely does develop, you know, themes, you know, and, mm. and reinvent them and re. Phrase them later and you know, come back you know, revisit them. Yeah, that's a lot of what he does. Exactly. That's that's
1: kind of the same approach. So um maybe it's not chance that Amarok is my favorite um album by him, or Incantations, even these two. And um they are very, very much structured structured like that.
3: Have you heard Return to Omadon?
1: Not yet. I'm a bit afraid of it, actually.
3: I, I liked it. I thought it was a real return to form. I think if you're a fan, you'll probably like it. It has yeah. all, all the things that we've just been discussing, you know, the themes cool. and the return to themes. And yeah, it's not just a cash in on the name or whatever. No, it's it's a good piece. I was it's afraid a of that. Mm-hmm. It's, a, no, it's good to hear. It's a worthy piece, in my opinion, Yeah, a worthy successor, I guess.
1: You know, I dropped out of Mike Oldfield um, with this thing. What was it called? Something with dolphins and, and outer space. It was always the same guitar melody on it for, for about 300 tracks. <laughs> something with outer space or something. It yeah. yeah.
3: Incredibly boring. But anyway. The space movie or something, wasn't it? The, something, yeah
1: the The story of dolphins from outer space, or something.
3: Oh, really? I don't know. Yeah, it was.
1: (laughs) No, it 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 it's different. But (laughs) if you if you flick through his albums, you'll find what I mean.
3: (laughs) Well, that's. uh, I guess you know if you're if you're constantly experimenting and uh, reinventing and trying new things, uh, you're gonna you're gonna miss every once in a while, (laughs) you know. (laughs) Yeah, that's
1: all. That's fine. That's absolutely fine. That was not critique. It's just my taste.
3: (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, I'm sure you know. I mean, every artist goes through that. I think you know that you can't have a hundred percent gems. You know, every yeah, artist seems to have you know. There's there's the better stuff, and then occasionally there's something that you know just wasn't quite up to snuff. It. I don't. I,
1: know. Here it is, the songs of distant earth. I dropped off out with that one. I bored it, and I was
3: so terribly disappointed. Okay. I just, okay. I, yeah. I. I yeah. I, I have that album. I'm familiar with it. All right. But um. Yeah, was there anything else you wanted to talk about? I think it's had a, a fun conversation here. And, uh, <laughs> yeah,
1: you've, I, I don't know. Um, I don't know what your listeners might be interested in. Um, I've just uh, talked about the music actually so far. Um, yeah. Uh, I, the, the problem is that um, as an artist, you can't can't really say, "Well, I want to talk about that and want to transport that," without sounding really like a pain in the. <laughs> and um, rightfully so. No, it's just the music. You know, what I want to say is being said in the music and in the lyrics. Maybe um, if you're interested in what the whole thing is about, you might just want to go to Wikipedia and check out some things about Plotin, or what is he called in English? Plotinus? Plotinus? Um, a, a philosopher who actually in, coined the term epistrophe. Um, as this kind of shock you get when you get an epiphany about who you really are, when you understand a lot about yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, so um, maybe this as a hint uh, how to get started into the lyric might interest one or other person who wants to dive in. This is the approach taken that you have to do that from time to time and maybe that the world at this very moment, at this place in history, is very afraid of doing so, which then leads to... Very um, interesting figures like Trump or Nigel Farage, or uh, do you say Farage by the way?
3: I'm not sure. I get Farage, I guess. Uh, yeah. Right.
1: yeah. Um, and 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 all these German populists and all these um, n- what's going on in the Netherlands and stuff. That was that was an approach that also takes its place or take on um epistrophobia, that that the whole world is just. Uh, not reflecting very much at the very, at the moment, but rather well, on a vo- in a voluntary mood. So I want it, so it has to become reality. Hmm. And um, that was the inspiration really for the title. But uh, in the lyrics, actually, it goes a, a lot more private, a lot more into um, relationship thing because I don't want to pride myself on having understood the universe and humanity as such. <laughs> yeah, so I thought it might be a good idea to have a small, uh, a little smaller uh, references. Yeah, make it
3: more personal.
1: Exactly, exactly. So um, you can also read it like that, as a, as a as my statement about what the world, uh, why the world is going to hell at the moment, but uh, you don't have to. You can also just read it as a story about two people not
3: not really knowing what's going on. Well, aren't we all people not knowing what's going on? I, it's, it's an interesting time to be alive. And when I think about what I've witnessed and, you know, where computer technology was when I was a child and where it is now and how much has changed and how fast it has changed. It's amazing. It, there's, is, it is. There's a lot of social pressure that goes along with that. So in that segment, you heard Thomas talking of a new project called Clouds Can. Well, he was kind enough to provide us with an exclusive preview of some of that material. This is called Life is Strange. Life is Strange by T's forthcoming project, Clouds Can. He sent me another exclusive from that project, which I'm going to share with you now. This one is called A Change of Heart. That was A Change of Heart by Clouds Can, a forthcoming project by our featured artist, Thomas Thielen, or just T. He shared one more exclusive with us. I'll let him tell you a little bit about it.
1: So if you want to play something on the day you leave, I think you might have a laugh, a laugh with a tear in your eye when you're listening to it. I really love the lyrics of On the Day You Leave. Um, I wrote that for a... (laughs) For a girl, how could it be uh, any different? Um, who, um, A French girl who studied in Germany for two years and we fell in love like nothing else uh, counted in the world. And then she left Germany for China. Okay. And she still lives there. And um, this was the song I wrote on, uh, was a song I wrote uh, the evening before she left when uh, we had said our goodbyes and I was walking through the city and uh, imagine what it would be, how different it would look for me. uh, Well, the next day when her plane had left and she had left. Mm -hmm. And I really still love the lyrics because they're so heartbroken and they're also so self ironic in it. Um, And I think that's about the best lyric I ever did.
3: Okay, and was that a uh, was that when you were with Scythe or what was that?
1: No, that was uh, between my first and my second solo album. It never appeared anywhere, actually. Okay, because it it just doesn't fit in. It's orchestra, and it has to be pompous because it's so pathetic. And um, I like the way that you can transport uh, irony with in a rather subtle mood, subtle way, um, and still keep up the mood using orchestra.
3: So I will leave you with On the Day You Leave by tea. So maybe you can laugh with a little tear in your eye as he said, Prog on, brothers and sisters. Be good to each other and much love to you all.
0: James Bond, James Bond, and I love the best of rock music, and that's why I listen to Promo Watch, It's marvelous. man. Game over, man. Game over. Marca Break Best Select Pro de O'Reilly Auto Parts eleva el estándar de las balatas y discos de freno para vehículos nacionales. Para fórmulas de fricción específicas para cada vehículo, cuñas antirruido Tech y herrajes de acero inoxidable, elige Break Best Select Pro de venta exclusiva en tu tienda O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts.